Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz, and uh, welcome to this week's podcast featuring uh, the lovely and talented star of Outlander and the new film Money Monster, uh, Katrina Balf. I hope that's how you pronounce your last name. It occurred to me right before the I recorded this mm-hmm. intro, Sammy, who's with me today. Hello. Hi. Um, that uh, I never actually, you know, when you say hello to someone, you're not like, hi, Sammy Heller. Is that's, that how you pronounce your last name, by the way? <laughs> it's Haller. <laughs> you don't know, so I'm hoping I got that pronunciation right. It's B-A-L-F-E, but what else? No, it's you were right. It's Balfi. Heller. Sammy Heller. Oh, yeah. They were I right. Wasn't about I wasn't worried about offending you. <laughs> got it. Uh, <laughs> Katrina is our second Outlander star in just a matter of oh. three or four weeks on the show. Of course, <laughs> Sam Hewen came by a few weeks ago, and um, uh, it, it was not necessarily, frankly, my plan to get both of them in. It just sort of happened that way. Sam was in town. I, <laughs> I knew uh, I have friends who were very much into the show and I was like okay this seems like an interesting uh, show to talk about and a person to have in and then uh, Katrina's people I think knew that Sam was on it's like oh she's going to be around too and that's how it all happened so <laughs> just I'm not I, I'm trying to hold it together so yeah so here's <laughs> so the context is um, and first of all thank you to those that have reached out about the about the Sam episode because I got a really a lot of great feedback from get it. him back right we want him back right, right calm down Sam <laughs> people were very excited about it um um, I know that the, the show has uh, um, huge fans that are listening right now um, that are eager for, you know, a substantive interview with these stars. And um, and Sam was not a disappointment. And I think uh, I, I certainly um, fell in love with Katrina in this interview. She's uh, she's awesome. Super smart. Super fun. And um, and, and I, you know, I confess it's not a confession. It's it's just a, it's just what it is. I'm not I'm not oh, pretending to be an outlander devotee. And Sammy, you are recently an outlander. I watched every episode over three days and my life has changed this is in the last week the last few days yeah no, like as of last night I caught up to the most recent one so you're in the fear have you have the fever you're, it's like it's I tweeted about it the other I'm like at the point in my outlander obsession where I'm watching like montages put to like Coldplay songs of them <laughs> on the internet like and the fact that Sam was here and I wasn't in this headspace yet. Yeah. It's, it was a waste. It is like Outlander. It's like we our times. Oh God, have, you're doing that. You're now actually comparing your life to the show now. This is the like, warning sign. I am probably the first uh five foot one Jewish girl who's going to Scotland to find <laughs> to find her husband look as far as I know I think Sam's still available as far as I know this could happen um oh wow you just started to blush you just turned it into <laughs> So clearly, this, oh my! You God. don't know what that means. No, I, but I've seen it referenced in many a tweet. Um, so hopefully, I did did it justice. This is not look. It's, it's, I, we'll tell you if you didn't. I know don't you worry. will. I know you will. So I did, I did. I seem to have done all right with Sam. Hopefully, I will honor the fans with this conversation with Katrina, which, like the Sam conversation, is not. It's not censored entirely on Outlander. It's about her whole career and this new film, um, Money Monster, in which she stars alongside George Clooney and Julia Roberts, and it's directed by Jodie Foster. So she's doing some really exciting, cool things. So, um, but yeah, she's awesome, and um, I will have them both back because um, I think we all hit it off, and I think hopefully we can do something fun next time. Oh my god, you're blushing again. I'm like very worked up, you guys. I just want to also say very clearly, this is not 
I'm not. This is not in competition with Hugh Jackman. Okay. He was on a different level. Okay. No, he one, was, no one was asking. Cannot to see be now. touched. Yeah. No, I, I just felt like you got like. It's important to Hugh that I make it very clear. <laughs> that he still knows you're, he's the one that That's like a spiritual connection. Yeah. This is just a base animal connection. This is an animal. <laughs> <laughs> this is like I have to lay down for a little oh bit. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you can do that after this conversation. Um, it's going to be so good. I can't wait. Also worth mentioning, uh, I, got a, I got a really exciting opportunity um, to go to the White House Correspondents Dinner last week, which was really fun. Um, it was not a work thing. It was just something I happened to uh, get invited to uh, through uh, my wife, actually, and we we had a great time, and uh, we ran into our good old buddy Tom Hiddleston, and I know on a, a special day. Well, yeah. So Sammy had tweeted uh, to me and others reminding us that apparently I don't know how you knew, but it was the four-year anniversary. Hop. Okay. I have an app called Time Hop, so I had taken pictures at the shoot. Yeah. It was like four years ago today. So Sammy, if you if you're a fan of Loki and what we've done with Tom, Sammy's in the sketch as the cashier. <laughs> cashier, cashier number, number one. one. <laughs> exactly. A great performance. Thank you so much. So yes, she, she reminded me on that day that it was the four-year anniversary. So when I was when I was chatting with Tom, uh, we were chatting for a while and towards the end of the conversation, I was like, by the way, uh, someone pointed out to me. Someone? Sammy Heller, who, who you worked with <laughs> four years like, ago. Oh, yeah. She played cashier number one. Cashier number one pointed out yeah. to me today that it was four years ago that we did Loki. And he, he was uh, shocked to hear that and excited to hear that and then he insisted I'll have you know he insisted that we then do photos of us doing the kind of Loki like uh, mustache twirling Wendy thing. was the name of the mustache of don't course. pretend like you I, don't of course I know I, of course I know so that was his idea and you can see the photos on my uh, silly Instagram feed so that's the, the story behind uh, the Tom Hiddleston run in at the correspondence dinner but it was uh, uh, you know I, I know a lot, a lot of you have seen it or seen the clips but it was it was a pretty special night to see Obama deliver that amazing speech who was at your table anyone uh, I was sitting with, so I was at my table was former like heads of the White House Correspondents Association, so it was kind of old seasoned journalists, but literally and right, you. and me, exactly, <laughs> yeah, and definitely, definitely not a seasoned journalist. And then sitting right behind me, like I'm talking like right behind me at the next table was Brian Cranston. Oh, yep. And then it's it's such a weird room. It was kind of amazing. And uh, then like the, like a table or two over was uh, our good old buddy Carly. Carly Kloss was there. Um, who else was nearby? Did she? Um, we didn't talk. We didn't talk. I decided not to. Interrupt. You did like the thing where you talk with your eyes. Yeah, we did it's the, like kind of, you guys the head have nod, that old that connection, unspoken yeah. head nod. Yeah. Uh, trying to think. I was trying to find Miles. Miles Teller was there. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to bump into Miles him. Miles Davis. No, not not Miles Davis. Miles Teller. Oh. Um, oh. Who else was there? I was trying. I, was, I know everyone I, was there. What are you talking about? Well, I was trying to think there. about who I was trying to like seek out that I knew. Like Emma Watson was there. Taylor was Swift. Around. Did you? Taylor Swift was not was not there. No. Incorrect. You're thinking Met Ball now. Ah, uh, yes, You're mixing yes. up two ginormous Well, I'm thinking things. of Hiddleston. Yeah, 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 that's right. I, yeah, I saw the video. The dance. Yeah, the dance. So um, Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I don't know. It was, it was Barack Obama. Uh, Barack Obama was there. That's Joe crazy. Biden. I, I'll say the two people that got the most attention in that room prior to the actual thing, uh, like starting, in terms of like people that wanted their photographs with them, was Bernie Sanders and Will Smith. I know you love your Will Smith. <laughs> I it get was, it. it was, I get it. <laughs> it was like, Will Smith was like the president in the You room. don't get it. No, I get it. He's a, Of course I get it. I just, I, yeah. I, I have it. a bigger reaction to Will Smith than you That's probably did, true. That's probably what? true. 
you're talking about. So that's the correspondence dinner in a nutshell. It was a surreal, bizarre night, and um, I shall not soon forget it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, not a night to soon be forgotten. Exactly. Assassinat. Exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, that's a good segue into this conversation. Um, oh my God, I'm so excited. Okay, start it, start it. All right, calm down. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, hope you guys enjoyed this uh, extended chat with uh, the star of Outlander and the star of Money Monster. Check it out in theaters this Friday. Uh, the amazingly talented Katrina Balfe. Balfi? Balfe? I think it's Balfe. Balfe. <laughs> Katrina. Enjoy Katrina. Cat. That's true, cat. It's true? Yes, you can. I know, because we're friends. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit. It's a lot Bullshit. of a lot yeah. of a lot of arrested development in this What's office. That, that is, uh, we're 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 often rolling. And I'll explain to you, Kat, that that is a painting that Danny McBride did of me. Um, no way. A few Seriously. Years ago. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that is amazing. My favorite story related to that. I, I thought you were going to say your three-year-old son. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it. So to name to name drop for a second, I had Danny Boyle on the podcast a couple months ago, and as uh-huh. he's walking out, he gestures to the painting and he just goes, "How old?" And I'm like, he's about 40, 41. (laughs) I love it. Amazing, right? Um, Thank you so much for stopping by today. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You uh, got a lot going on. Obviously, the the second season is is more than up and running. People are loving it. And... um, I'm very excited about Money Monster. I haven't seen it yet. I apologize. They haven't shown it too much yet. But, um, I mean, come on. Jodie Foster directing. That's enough to get me in the door. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah. You know, it's, it was such a cool project. It's, it's this fantastic thriller that's set in the financial world and set in the world of high-frequency trading. And, um, you know, it's my character. She is the head of PR for this high-frequency trading uh, investment bank. And you get to see, you know, what happens when something catastrophic goes wrong in the, in that world? Right. And what are the consequences? And what are the consequences for the everyday man? And I, you know, I just I loved that world. I have such a interest in economics, uh, such not such a massive uh, knowledge, but <laughs> I won't pretend to be a, an expert either. But I mean, yeah. it's it's smart and cool in that it's you know. I was going to say we see plenty of thrillers. We actually don't even see that many great thrillers done. But it's cool to see a thriller that's set, set in contemporary uh, times that has something to say that's dealing with some stuff that we're actually dealing with That's that has some weight to it, too. Yeah, I mean, it's so timely right now. But also what Jody has done so fantastically, you know, this isn't a preachy movie. It's also a fantastic thriller. And, it, you know, yeah. it just it's such a great ride that you're you're brought on and you see it you know you see it through the eyes of of all of these amazing different characters but i always love films where when i walk out of a film at the end of the day i go and i think about it and i question something about my life or my world sure you know, I think that this does that fantastically. So, As you can tell from my office, I'm a big old film dork, and I'm also a sucker for films that kind of experiment with the format. And this, I mean, this is done essentially in real time, as I understand uh-huh. it, yeah. right? Um, and are, do you feel like, are you kind of like in your own world, in your own film? Because you're not, as I understand it, even just looking at the materials, you're not on the set with them. You're not no, in I'm, Clooney world. You know, it was so interesting filming it because it was such a different type of beast technically. Um, my first day, we did uh, one of the scenes where I'm in the lobby and I'm being, you know, it's the idea is that that's being fed through a video monitor into the TV screens. Right. So I had George and Jack in an earpiece in my ear playing this whole scene that Amazing. they were doing, you know, offset somewhere off site. 
and I'm reacting to that. So there was a lot of that. I, I kind of went around for about four weeks, five weeks with an earpiece in my ear, just listening to everyone chatting somewhere else. Well, the good news is a lot of people day to day walk around with George Clooney talking to them in their <laughs> yeah. brain and they're just insane. Well, you actually I had, had a justified. Julia Roberts. I had Tinkerbell in my ear, you know. Um, and it was funny. There was a couple of days where I was in one of the I was next door to them in a studio and I was uh, behind a green or in front of a green screen. So they could see me and hear me, but I could only hear them. Right. And they were making fun of me and like having these conversations. But it's weird when you, you know, you have Julia and, and everyone in your ear and you're like, uh, okay, hi. <laughs> like, How did I get to this place? <laughs> this is awesome. Well, I mean, that, yeah. that's kind of what I want to get to too, because I mean, you know, the, the arc of your career is definitely a unique one. And, and clearly, you know, Outlander has, has opened the doors to some very exciting new opportunities like very this. So, yeah. um, is this where you imagined you would be? I mean, if I talked to you 10 years ago, is this, was this the game plan or what? Um, Oh God, I, I, there was no game plan, so it's probably why there's such a weird trajectory. Um, no, I mean, I started off, I was studying theater in Dublin, um, and then while I was there, at the end of my first year, I got uh, scouted, and right. I was given this opportunity to move to Paris, which, you know, when someone offers you to get out of dreary old Dublin, you're like, ah, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and then, you know, there was sort of this detour that I took for a decade. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I, you know, I got to the point where I knew I'd always wanted to be an actor yeah. since I was three years old. I've been annoying my family with, you know, various impressions and, and plays and different things. So. That was always the hope was that I was going to go back to it. Um, but I had no, you know, you, you just, I moved to LA and you just kind of get into classes and you've no idea how you're going to get your foot in the door, first yeah. of all. So it was, it was a series of lucky events and a lot of hard work and somehow brought me here. So what was the, um, to my weird little uh, office in downtown New York, sorry yeah, about exactly. that. <laughs> there, have been, there have been greater heights than today. No, this is perfect. <laughs> oh, this is it. This is what you wanted to get into the business for. Um, so what were, what, were you, what were your imitations? What were the voices you were doing? What was oh, the first, God. what was your I'm repertoire? Do, but I'm not did, asking. I did used to do a Margaret Thatcher when I was about five or six. I don't know why. That killed? It was just amazing? I don't, I probably not. No, I mean, it was probably <laughs> awful, but that was, that was one that I remember doing, yeah. So, um, I mean, you, you know, you, you talk about, I mean, you had a fully, you know, more than a prosperous career. You had a great career going. I mean, did you find that, like, when you made the shift back into acting that the modeling career gave you a leg up? Or did it give you, was there a lot of explaining, like, no, no, really, this is what I always wanted to do. I'm not just one of those that just wants to dabble. Yeah, well, you know, I think I was lucky that I had a successful career before, but it wasn't, you know... We always call, myself and a few of my girlfriends, we'd call ourselves the blue collar models mm -hmm. because we were like, we worked well, but we, you know, we weren't known people. Right. Um, so by the time I went to LA, I mean, I think it was more just that thing of being like, I'm not a maw, as we called them, you know, model, actress, whatever. Right. Um, but I think it also fueled me to like, like stay in class and work hard and not yeah. settle for hot girl number two roles, right. which... You know, in the beginning, those were kind of the things that I was being put forward for. And right. it was constantly a battle to be like, I, I'm not going to wear the tight dress and push my boobs up because that's not the girl I am. And so, yeah. you know, I don't know, but... It yeah, so it worked the, <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> At least it wasn't hot girl number 10. You started at hot girl number two, so yeah, you didn't have that far I mean, to go you up. Know, no, you know, in the beginning, you take what you can get <laughs> exactly. as well. 
Exactly. So. Um, my, my ulterior motive for having you here today is I'm actually going to Dublin for the first time in a few weeks ah, on vacation. So if you want to just give me the, the, the 101, what do I need to do? What do I need to avoid? Um, probably cleanse your liver now in preparation. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, done. Um, bring a lot of wet weather gear. Uh, no, Dublin's a great city. It's a very small city. You'll walk around and also get out of Dublin. Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> the, 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 truthfully, that is the plan. We're gonna we're gonna be there. My wife and I are going for five days, and we're just starting in Dublin, and then we're yeah, we're, Dublin's we're going fantastic. Off. Yeah. But like you can do that in two days, yeah. and then I would get in a car and go see the countryside because nice. You know, I'm a country girl. That's that's where it's at. So what's the Ireland. what's the hidden gem that I might not find in a guidebook that I should? Uh, um, what well, depends where you go. I I mean, I used to always spend most of my summers in Donegal, which is mm-hmm. one of the most beautiful parts of Ireland, but anywhere Kerry's beautiful, Cork. I mean, you once you go coastlines, yeah. you it's you can't go wrong. Yeah, you're spoiled. I mean, if you end right. up in my town, Monaghan, you might have like taken gone a too wrong far. detour <laughs> somewhere, but <laughs> So what is what is what's the hometown like? What's it known for? Um, what's what is it known for? I think in the guidebooks it says if you're here, you're probably on your way to somewhere else. Oh. Um <laughs> We're like a small border town okay. in the Midlands, which, you know, yeah. We're, we're known for Patrick Kavanagh, great okay. Irish writer. Okay, know, yeah. okay, okay. That's where he's from. Oh, stony grey soil of Monaghan. Nice. You burgled the bank of my youth. That will tell you a lot. That's okay. what he said about it. Um, <laughs> what else are we? Yeah, that's so about does it. This, so does that explain to a degree, again, the opportunity at whatever age it was when Paris came calling? It wasn't necessarily like you were dying to become a model but oh wow this is a way out and way into cool yeah. interesting un- I mean, uncharted I, territory i had i'd been to london before you've done that <laughs> <laughs> so you're super worldly is what you're to saying london yes. once um yeah i i mean we didn't i growing up we didn't go abroad uh so i i was itching to get out of ireland and yeah. travel the world and when that opportunity presented itself i kind of i think they literally came the woman who was in in the office that that i met her she was like well would you like to go to paris i was like when <laughs> and so <laughs> i think good? i was I, I think it was a week later i was wow. and and it's weird you know because when you're a model they just give you this piece of paper and directions and i i mean i was 18 but i hadn't a clue yeah. and they were like so take a bus from uh paris airport go to this address and so I, you know, I'd never been in France before. I barely spoke any French and I had like bad high school, terrible French, <laughs> but I got off this bus and I go with my massive suitcase to an office and they take my suitcase and they give me another piece of paper with addresses on it. And yeah. they go, go across to the metro station, get your carte d'orange, which is your metro ticket right. and go to these three appointments and be back here by six o'clock. And you're like, uh, uh, sorry, what? Like, who? I'm, <laughs> like, I'm not a functional adult yet. I don't know who yeah. told you that I was a real person. But. I mean, it's terrifying. <laughs> and at least I'm European. I mean, you right. know, there are girls coming from Russia who are like 14 and doing that. Yeah. And you would meet them sometimes crying on the subway. Aww. And you're both like, you know, sharing tears and addresses and trying to figure <laughs> out your plan to Paris, you know. But it was it was definitely a good education. Did, did that mature you in a, an aggressive sort of way like did it like once you were in it then did you find that you caught up quickly and kind of yeah you have to yeah I think if you don't <laughs> bad things happen yeah. but no I you know it, it was a great education I mean I became yeah. quite worldwide pretty quick and yeah. you know after three months I was living in Japan and I was there for like three months and that's a whole other world as well sure, and yeah. But it was it was an amazing opportunity. I mean, there's definitely things that I think should change about that industry. But 
I also think it's it's an incredible experience to have gone through. Okay, well, last thing, since you bring it up, and then we'll get back into the the, the lucrative acting career. What would you change? Like, hey, you you are you are the the high priestess of modeling. <laughs> You're the queen of modeling. You can change anything about the oh, system. I mean, I I don't think people under sixteen should be doing it. Yeah. I really don't, and I just think there should be more safeguards. I think that. You know, in, in the acting world is a perfect example of how it's done well. You know, they're, right. I think SAG and, and I think everyone in, in the acting world, they look after people and there's safeguards in place and that should right. be the way it is. Don't hand them a piece of paper and tell them where to no. go. No. <laughs> Don't trust sure, them. Find your way. You'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, so, okay. So so prior even to modeling, give me a sense again, you, you had alluded to this uh, at first, but um, when did acting, when did performing even enter into your brain in a semi-serious oh, way? I mean, from a very early early age I I was always in in youth theater um, I think I was probably about seven when I did my first play which was Oliver and I played Mr. Bumble so <laughs> that goes to show you how tall I was compared to all the other kids my age um, why I was the guy though I, I still haven't figured out that part I don't remember is why there, is I there was... video is there photographic evidence no, of this God, I don't think there <laughs> you is. burned it all but like you know growing up in Ireland it, there is kind of a rich local theater culture there sure. and so you know I, I did the pantomimes and all of those things and school plays and my dad he was a, a guard sergeant which mm-hmm. a police sergeant okay. but um, he and his friends they used to do these comedy skits so he was part of a comedy troupe so mm-hmm. I guess in some way that's where I got it from but I remember being about 10 or 11 and filling in for the woman that was part of their group a couple of times sure. when she was away so <laughs> which was probably really odd but uh, she played the accordion and I could play the accordion so I would do this you have all these bit. hidden talents Margaret nice. Thatcher imitations accordion <laughs> Who knew? you could start I'm a variety so cool. show like, how, how I mean cool are accordion those screams cool <laughs> Accordion and Margaret Thatcher. What a, what a one girl I am. Friends very early on. Yeah. Hey, come on over. I mean, I'll play the accordion for you. Why was I you. hanging out with my dad and his friends? <laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> so, so when you come back around, what's the first? Uh, what are the first jobs? What's the first time back on camera? When uh, you? Well, my very first job was uh, Super Eight. Right. And I played Dead Mom. Dead Mom number one. At least. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but that hey, was the a- whole movie hangs on your character. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a really great opportunity. I'd met with, um, I'd, I'd auditioned for it, and uh, JJ, you know, was was he was like, yeah, you know, you've got the role, and and was very great, and sort of went to bat for me, and sort of changed my visa over, which was great for me at the yeah. time. And um, I went to uh, West Virginia, and where they were filming, and I was there for about a week. But I, you know, worked a lot with Kyle Chandler, and and JJ also did some of the stuff on Super Eight, and it was an amazing experience for my first job, yeah. and. That was very cool, and then around the same time, I then got a web series called H Plus, right. which was it was a really it was a cool Brian project. Singer produced thing, right? Brian Singer produced that. Yeah. Um, John Cabrera and uh, he was the writer, and it was a really cool project. And we went down to Chile for a month, which you know, yeah. for a web series, is not bad. Yeah. Um, and I worked with some great people, and it's funny. I have some very good friends from that. Hannah Simone was on that, and that was her okay. first job. And that was my second job. And right. she went on then to do, you know, New Girl. And Mir Arison is on it, who's now on the blacklist. Right. So we had like a cool little crew there. 
today's episode of Happy Sag Confused is brought to you by Casper, one of our favorite sponsors. They are a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminated commission-driven inflated prices. Their award-winning sleep service was developed in-house, made in America. They have a sleek design and, deli and they're delivered in small, how do they do that, sized boxes. Plus, in addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets. Remember, this is obsessively engineered mattresses at a shockingly fair price, way below the price points of other mattresses out there. They combine springy latex and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine guys named it as one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. They provide free shipping and returns to US and Canada. You can try it for 100 nights risk-free in your own home, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. As I said before, by the way, guys, it's all made in America. Guys, check it out. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash happy and using the code happy. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Happy, Sad, Confused is brought to you by a new sponsor for a new comedy series. Check it out, guys. What if you could repeat the most important day of your life until it was perfect? Replay, a new original comedy series on Go90, follows Allison Lee, an aspiring DJ who gets more than she wishes for when she's stuck repeating her disastrous 25th birthday party over and over again. Allison is forced to choose between impressing notorious Vegas club promoters, Sven and Sophie, or keeping her friends, and faces the hard reality that sometimes you can't have it all. Replay has an amazing cast that stars Lindsay Fonseca from Agent Carter, Tyler James Williams from Everybody Hates Chris, and Soriano Fialo from Glee with special guest stars, YouTuber Mamrie Hart. New episodes appear every Wednesday. Stream Replay only on Go90, a free mobile entertainment app available on iOS and Android. Go to www.replayseries.com to watch the first episode of Replay right now. Um, now, did you feel like you were rusty at the time? Did it come back to you? I mean, did you feel like, okay, I, I've got what it takes or I need to catch up with my peers that have been doing this for the last decade? Well, at this point, I'd, I've been in LA about a year and a half. Yeah. And so I'd been in class, like, solidly for yeah. that year and a half, which is my little return to college. But yeah, you know, I, f I felt green and nervous. But, I, you know, the beauty of it was these were both jobs that were kind of nice easing into it. And I learned a lot on yeah. them. And um, especially the the web series. I mean, H plus. I learned so much on that job, and it was such a little family unit as well. That it was such a great experience. I mean, we were all like, "How how are we ever going to replicate this?" Like for our first jobs, this is like such a great feeling. Sure. It's probably never going to be like this again. But I I've been pretty lucky that everything I've done has always had like great crews and people have been really nice so did, now did you feel prepared once the the opportunity of outlander came around did it feel like i'm ready for this or this is going to be a, a ginormous kind of leap and this is going to be a major challenge i mean i was so naive <laughs> <laughs> i i hadn't done any tv at all i'd never done a guest star and i probably hadn't worked about for about eight nine months before I got that job I mean I was definitely at the point where I was like what am I doing yeah am I gonna be able to pay my rent um, and you know all of those things are like am I deluding myself like what is this all about and so I got the job but there was no time to think about it yeah. I mean it was but I you know 
I think I've always had this inner confidence or delusion where I knew that I loved doing it and I knew that it was what I'd always wanted to do. So therefore, right. ergo, I hoped that <laughs> that meant that I could do it, right. you know? So um, once we got to Scotland, I mean, I, I got cast on, they announced my casting on a Tuesday and by Friday I was in Scotland. Crazy. Um, so you didn't have time to kind of so I didn't have time to think your about, brain it. about it. And yeah. then we had two weeks once I got there of, well, there was no clothes for me, so the poor uh, costume department were just, I was in fittings every day, right. and they were like sewing up. Of yarn <laughs> exactly. <flying in> the- <laughs> um, between that and uh, there was some dialect coaching because obviously I was playing someone from England and it was quite an RP. And, um, and then there was, you know, some horse riding lessons because I also fudged that that I could horse ride. Classic, um, <laughs> classic. See, that, mean, that means you're a true actor if you're that lying about your actor. resume. If I, have, if I have the, yeah, the classic, I can horse ride. Of course and I can. also fence. Um, <laughs> but, so it was also just so busy, but we had John Dahl, who's this amazing director. And sure, he was our yeah, director yeah. for the first two blocks. And so, you know, we had a couple of um, rehearsals and things, but the, great thing about John is like one of the first things he said he was kind of like I'm not here to tell you how to act like you guys have been cast because you know what you're doing right <laughs> which I was internally going really you're like, <laughs> you're like uh-huh um, sure Mm-mm. so John's style is very laid back and just let you do what you want to do right which I think also was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because it made me sort of have that confidence and it made me just be like okay well you know what you're doing. Yeah, because do you don't want a, a director who's putting you on edge on the first day being like, prove to me that you can do this because ostensibly you've proven it by getting cast. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think Stars and Sony probably were a little nervous. I mm-hmm. mean, they did get a, a they did get an acting coach for me, but she lasted about two days. Oh, so. no. <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> well, she was very micromanaging. Oh, and okay. I, you know, I did feel that thing of like either let me get on with what I'm doing you know you don't want someone getting you in your head was she like line readings like adjusting like minutiae well, she like would that? just come in after every take yeah. and just comment on what I was doing and it was like I don't want to know like I you know unless there's something really wrong like yeah. don't make me aware I'm, I'm in yeah, the you're killing any spontaneity that exactly. I could possibly get so, yeah um so that that had to go. <laughs> <laughs> Such a prima donna. Hey, it's for the process. No, it all worked yeah. out. Um, uh, so I, I just had Sam in here a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, a really disgusting man inside a and out. Not, not a good person. So rude. People don't talk about it. Such a huge ego. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of, I mean, kind of fun that you guys have been able to go through this experience together in that, like, you know, he wasn't a name person at the time mm-hmm. either. And to kind of, I would think, you know, a shoulder to lean on and to kind of oh, be like, definitely. this is insane. Isn't this insane? <laughs> and to look I mean, across. Having that sounding board and being able to be there for each other as friends and, um, you know, very early on, we were both down in London getting our hair destroyed and uh, <laughs> we went for this big long walk, him with this bright red mop and me with a poodle perm. And <laughs> it was, you know, we sort of just were like, okay, like we're about to go into this crazy experience together. And like, I think, you know, we were both, I think we both are quite similar people in a lot of ways. And I think we were both like, right, well, let's just make sure that we always check in with each other. And, you know, we got each other's backs. So, and we have, you know, it's been such a bonding experience for us, but it's been so important to be able to have that, you know, as we going through this whole new experience together, being able to be like, is this okay? Should we accept this? Right. Is this not like, what do we think about this? And yeah. It's important, you know. Have you, I asked him the same question, um, the second go around on the second season, did, uh, new things that you've discovered 
uh, working with him a year plus in that you didn't realize at first? Um, you know, I just think the whole experience has deepened. Mm. Um, you know, character-wise, also our responsibility has gotten larger in a way. You know, like are you talking about outside of the show itself in terms of just like carrying the name of the show out? And well, I think the first time, you know, we were filming in such a little bubble the first time, and nobody really cared what we were doing. Or you didn't know better that they, did, they no, cared. Yeah. And so there was a real. Uh, there was a real innocence to it and that was great and it sort of let it be its own thing. And I mean, now we just have more responsibilities in terms of like, you know, the workload is bigger and you have more press and all of these things to do. But coming back again, it was like, all right, well, now that we've done that season, you know, how do we preserve our characters and, and you know, fight for certain things? It's just, it, you know, you right. also realize where where you have a little bit of power, where you don't, right. what those negotiations are. Um, and that's everything from, you know, fighting for writers, you know, fighting for character pieces or, or you know, how you're treated in the grand scheme or how, sure. the, how the crew is, you know, all of those things. And Well, and, and in a way, I would think you're almost trying to replicate that bubble in a way and, and throw all the other stuff away. And oh, it's, it's pretty easy to replicate a bubble when you're out in the Highlands. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it becomes its own bubble. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, we were totally immersed in it, which is nice. You know, it's like you don't have too many distractions right. in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. <laughs> do, the, do the fans come out in the r most remote of regions? Can you still spot them? I mean, it's crazy. I don't know how they find us. <laughs> we're all like, we're convinced that there's some tracking device on some of the like the the crew vans or something. Because, well, we have this one group, the Outlandish Bakers. Mm -hmm. They will literally come to the middle of a mountain with baked goodies. Baked goodies sorry. Um, As devoted fans go, this you could do a lot worse. I mean, how how bad is that? Like, I mean, you know, people have crazy fans. <laughs> We're like, yes, stop baking us goods. That's so horrible. But no, it's great. Um, and and you know, also in Scotland. You can't really lock down places. So if we're filming in a, in a town or whatever, you know, there's a lot of people who come around. And right. stuff, but they're really respectful and polite, and it's quite nice. It's nice to know that people care. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? You, the alternative is not what you want. No. Um, when I when I when I uh, tweeted that about you coming on today, uh, Sam weighed in in terms of what we should talk about. With oh, what, what did he say? One simple word. He just said Eddie. <laughs> Why does he want me to talk about my cat? I'm, I swear he just wants to paint me as a crazy cat lady. It's not happening, Hewan. So you're not a crazy cat lady. Now, wait, is the Twitter... I mean, I have a cat. Is the Twitter I'm, account run by you or no, anybody you know? No, I mean, this is the thing. And I'm like, stop talking Perpetuating to this Perpetuating this insanity? Um, I think she has two Twitter handles, by the way. There was three. I think another well, somebody's uh, stepped away. With not insignificant followings, by the way. They're, we they're... were actually joking about it over dinner last night, me and my friends, and we looked at it, and one of my friends, Donal, was disgusted because she had more followers than he did. <laughs> it was so good. I was like, you're such a loser. My cat's got more followers than you. <laughs> so is the cat always close by? Is the cat, is the cat within a block of us right now? No, is the... she didn't come to New York this time. She's been here. She, she originated from here. Okay, she's her a New Yorker. In a deli in Brooklyn. Do they sell cats and delis in Brooklyn? No, now? she was giving she, she was giving away her thing. Um, her and her brother. I used to live in South Williamsburg, mm -hmm. and so one day I was going home. And by the way, because I tried to adopt a cat from Petco or wherever, and right. because I was a foreigner, they wouldn't give me a cat. 
which, you know, xenophobia run rampant here in New York. I apologize on behalf of Um, Petco. um, So I was walking home one day and uh, there was a Puerto Rican lady who was uh, always around our neighborhood. And she was like, hey, lady, you want a cat? Like, what? And she had two kittens in her coat. And I was like, are you giving me these? And she was like, no, no, the deli. And I was like, okay. So <laughs> Sounds I went like an elaborate our... scam. You're, you're lucky you're alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like the deli on the corner of my block. Okay. So um, I know. So I went into the deli and I'm like, hey, I, I hear you have some cats. <laughs> so, um, and they took me in the back room and there was, lo and behold, there was four kittens running around. Have, and you, have you learned nothing from your early modeling <laughs> no. days? This sounds like a horrible early modeling story. I went into the back of the and deli. They I said, died. here's the cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I'm, yeah. Naivety. <laughs> stupidity more like. So, not, um, But not a crazy cat lady. Just simply, there's affection just, for yeah, like a nice. She, she started in Brooklyn, then she moved to L.A. with me. Now she's in Glasgow. Okay. But she did come to New York. How she got to Glasgow, she came to New York when I was filming Muddy Monster. For a week, I had to share a hotel with her, and that was a disaster. That didn't work. She ran the place. It was her. It was her hotel room. Well, they don't. They're you know they're very attached to their surroundings. Right. And they don't like it when there's constant noise, and they're on the seventh floor, and they don't know what's going on. So <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. So, <laughs> so let's so, just end it there. Okay. So where is a so where is home now? Obviously, you're shooting a great portion of the year, but what do you consider home? Oh, I have a beautiful suitcase. It's, oh. uh, <laughs> Can you fit I, into it? <laughs> I probably could. Um, <laughs> I I don't know actually. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess LA still sort of feels a little bit like home, yeah. but I sort of bounce between LA and New York and London when I'm not in Scotland. So and is, is that is that relatively comfortable? Again, I guess given the background of the, the modeling lifestyle, you probably were on the road a lot anyway. It, it still, would be nice to have a place to. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I I bounced around for so long for about ten years, and then when I moved to LA, I was so sedentary for about five years yeah. or four, I suppose, four years, and that I think that's why that still feels very home to me. But now being back on the road, I enjoy it. I enjoy traveling, but I definitely am I'm itching to. Yeah. You know, to grow some roots. Well, come back to New York. You're welcome. To, welcome here anytime. Have you? Uh, does theater, for instance, like intrigue you at all? I, I mean, would wh- love to. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. I, you know, it's not something that I've done since I was like a teenager, but I think if, you know, any actor, that's kind of a huge part of, of the feeling for acting is like that live interaction with an audience and being able to tell a story from beginning to end over the course of one night and then repeat that and see what that experience is like, you know, I, I would love to. So what, so what is the, I mean, you're limited in, in respect to the commitment every year to Outlander, obviously, which again, takes up a good portion of time and you're mm-hmm. clearly making the best decisions possible and Money Monster is clearly a good one. But like, is there, is there an ideal kind of an experience you're looking for? You mentioned theater, I mean, obviously film, but like a type of filmmaker, a type of role. I mean, what's kind of like in your head of like what you're itching to get to do? I mean, for me, it it depends on the story and the writing, I think, is where you start with. I mean, obviously, there's a list of directors that I would love to work with. And Woody Allen's probably right up there. Nice. You know, if if that could ever happen, that would be amazing. But it's, you know, I think that it's hard for me to say what I want to do, because I think until you read it or until it's presented to you, you, you don't know. I mean... Um, obviously I want a long career so for me it's more about choosing roles that are are interesting and smart and that hopefully will give me longevity and you know I would like to try a lot of different things so 
variety as well, you know. So since you, you mentioned Woody, and I'm the cliched version of a born and bred New Yorker. I mean, like it's my, <laughs> in my DNA, and and he was actually on the podcast, which was like the, the, no big, the biggest thrill of my life. Can you <gasps> oh imagine? So what's your Woody Allen? Well, I always ask this of Woody Allen fans, like what's your favorite in terms of comedy or drama or the, the mix of the two? What, what's your I high mean, watermark? Uh, Interiors is probably oh. one of my favorites. In terms I, of the comedy, it's super fun. Oh yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> no, but I just the female roles in that. Yeah. Like Diane Diane Keaton, she does that one scene in the chair where she's talking to her therapist, and right. it's just like a master class in acting. And then Geraldine Page, like, oh my god, she's yeah. so incredible in it. And just because it looks so beautiful, but also Manhattan, I watch over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I that's probably my like when I'm not feeling the greatest yeah. and I want to like fall asleep to something that's beautiful and makes me feel good that's yeah, kind of a sad ending though in a, in a way a yeah. little, but the Gershwin comes up and all is right in the world you're okay like that surge of music yeah. but it's also like the the intro to that like mm-hmm. as soon as I put that yeah. film on I'm just like a little kid again I'm yeah. like oh, <laughs> we're gonna go with this you know nice um, before I, I let you out I do have this weird Indiana Jones fedora with some random silly stupid questions oh, would you care go. to grab a couple yeah Dig your hand in, see what see what fate has in dun, store dun, for you. Dun, dun. If I get asked where I want to go to back in time. <laughs> <laughs> They're not Outlander themed, at least I hope not. Oh, cool. Best vacation you've ever taken. Ooh. Um You know, years and years ago, and this is sad that I'm saying that that was my best vacation because we're literally going back about 15, <laughs> 16 years ago. But I went trekking in Nepal. Oh, wow. And that was probably it's stayed with me for a very very long time yeah. i love that place yeah amazing so i'm gonna say that one want to try one or two more yeah i'm like making such a mess here no it's good it's sound effects you're you're our own <laughs> you're our own fully artist what can you eat a ton of uh sushi i probably have many times <laughs> um yeah or or you know the sweet and salty popcorn nice it's good yeah. What's like, what's the uh, what's the thing on the craft service table that you cannot resist? You look there and you're like, oh um, no, they put that out. What craft services? We shoot in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Stars has some money, no? Oh God, we need to, we need to like <laughs> talk to them about it. Um, yeah, like okay, so craft service in the U.S. What I love about craft service in the U.S. are the breakfast, those Mexican breakfasts, like Mexican burritos, sure. breakfast burritos. Oh. So but you good. need a nap after, as well. Need like, like a nap after a morning breakfast burrito, though. I feel like I don't know. I was I was doing a film down in uh, New Orleans. I think it was like Escape Plan, and uh, they had the best like morning catering. It was like breakfast burritos and then fresh juices that you would make yourself, and it was just like well, that's because also Stallone probably needs like six thousand calories every morning true. just to keep the <laughs> metabolism going. <laughs> that man. I know. I know. I once saw him, I mean, you have more experience, but like I, I was on set of one of his films and in between takes, he was just like flexing, like they were like bowling pins just to keep oh, like really? the, the blood flowing into he his massive arms. We were working. It's funny because it was like, we spent a day on the beach with, or I spent a day on the beach with him and Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> which was probably one of the most surreal days of my of life. Course. But they were, the funny thing was they kept doing this joke about, you know that documentary Aristocrats? Yeah. And so, but they kept going, aristocrats. <laughs> and it was just like, I, just all day, this was their joke. And they would like do the click fingers and the two of them. It was just like the weirdest oh thing, God. but so funny. Uh, that's the debut of um, your Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger hybrid uh, imitation. Oh God. 
next time we'll get you to do the Margaret Thatcher uh, one act show, the one woman show. Um, it's been great to catch up with you today. Good luck so on, on Money Monster. I can't wait to check it out. And uh, you don't need good luck on Outlander. It's already getting a gajillion people watching every week. But oh, we'll take it though. Okay, anyway. there you go. Good luck on that. Um, thanks for stopping by today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody. This is David Gregory, and I want to tell you about my new podcast, The David Gregory Show. It is that easy to remember. And it's me talking to all sorts of really interesting people, getting them off their regular script into deeper, more personal conversations, like Ariana Huffington about parenthood. I think especially for mothers, they take the baby out and they put the guilt in. Or Bravo TV's Andy Cohen on being less afraid. Look, I'm a single gay dude on a late night talk show. If I can't overshare, who can? We'll have a new program every Friday. So go to iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast app and download The David Gregory Show and eavesdrop on really cool conversations. Thanks for listening. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.